The Memphis Grizzlies had a pretty impressive weekend back home at FedEx Forum there in Memphis, Tennessee. The road woes are a thing of the past, and Memphis appears to have righted the ship, at least for now. We'll talk about how they got that job done on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies and acknowledge at the jump here just how special it is to have a young man like John Morant leading this franchise who very clearly understands what it's all about. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Grizzlies, a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts, YouTube, like, comments, all those sorts of things. Check out the, the stream of this episode. You can also listen wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, we're everywhere. I'm your host, Joe Molinax, flying solo on this episode. To Michael Cole, my co-host, had a very busy weekend covering both games there in Memphis over the New Year holiday. So he's taking a bit of a breather, and I'm going to lead you on our journey through what the Memphis Grizzlies did this past weekend, both on and off the floor. And I hope you'll indulge me as I start with the off-the-floor conversation. Before I get to that, I want to shout out our title sponsor today, our episode today, brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. John Morant was locked in over the weekend. He had two very strong performances that we'll talk more about. But the most impressive thing that John Morant did this past weekend had nothing to do with basketball, at least not in my opinion. Uh, it had everything to do with the understanding of the platform that he has at such a young age to do good in this world. Memphis is very fortunate to have the Grizzlies franchise to begin with, right? The, the market of Memphis is not one that is normally conducive to professional sports teams in terms of size, all the different factors that led to the Grizzlies coming to Memphis being a bit of an upset, uh, you know, decades ago now. And it was meant to be a way to help build up the Memphis metropolitan area, the community, and it's been successful. And there's been some areas where maybe it could be more successful. I, that's a topic for another podcast. But one of the great things about professional sports and sport in general is the way that it can bring people together. And John Morant did a great job showing the level of impact that just one simple gesture can have. He, at the end of the Kings game, again, we'll talk about the actual resulting win here momentarily, but the game is over. He, he does the post-game interview. He takes off a pair of his brand spanking new jaw ones that he has been displaying ever since Christmas. He's worn them every game since. And he takes them to a young uh, fan who is there on the side holding up a sign saying he can't wait to rock the jaw ones in the summer of 2023 when they come out and they're available for everyone. Uh, that's paraphrasing the sign. And John Morant gives him his shoes, takes a picture with the young man and his mother and offers to hold the sign to get a better picture, takes a picture with both all three of them, he, the mom, and the boy, takes a picture with him and the boy, uh, signs the shoes, and all the while, this young man is bawling his eyes out, just so 
in awe that his hero took the time to notice him and make not just his day, but probably his year. And it's likely a, a memory that he will hold on to the rest of his life. Forgive me if I get romantic about sport. Uh, during my time at Grizzly Bear Blues, that was something that I often did, uh, connecting the emotion of life to the games themselves. And, you know, a, a lot of my life has been connected to sport in one way or another. And I feel that emotion very, very much when it's organic and it's true. And I have felt that from a professional team twice in my life. I've been a fan of the Washington Redskins, now commanders my entire life. Closest I ever got was 2012 when they had the NFC East run with RG3. Not, not, not this. Um, championship runs. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area originally. So, you know, the Nationals in 2019, the Capitals before that, you know, that, that's winning a title, right? That's important. Obviously, professional sport especially is about winning. So it's great to watch those teams play and all those teams had great stories. But in Memphis, it's different. And if you've been to Memphis for an extended period of time, you know what I'm talking about. The organic nature of the grit and grind era, the way that it came naturally. It wasn't forced. It wasn't corporate. It wasn't something that was designed to sell towels and shirts. It came from a poetic moment after a tough win from Tony Allen, who personified that era. And then between him and Zach Randolph, Mike Conley, Mark Gasol, they, through their actions both on and off the floor, ingrained themselves in Memphis, made the city better. In the case of Mark Gasol, made St. Jude better. Mike Conley, all the different fran uh, all the different charities that he would work with. Zach Randolph, literally paying the utility bills for people, helping buy school supplies for students before school year started. On and on and on I could go about what that group of guys did. They made the Western Conference Finals. They won 56 games. They had a lot of success, but who they were as people and what they gave to the community there at large in Memphis was just as meaningful, if not more so. And John Morant gets that. And that's not to say other professional athletes don't get that, giving their shoes away to kids, signing them. That happens at least weekly, maybe nightly. But John Morant is dealing with this level of fame at the age of 23 better than I think any of us could realistically anticipate or expect. He is humble. He understands his platform. Doesn't mean he's perfect. None of us are, right? I think that's important to point out. None of us are perfect. So does he do things he shouldn't do sometimes in terms of social media? Does he talk trash and his teammates aren't there to help him back it up sometimes? I think those are fair points to make. But he had a phenomenal weekend on the floor, which again, we'll talk more about here momentarily. The most impressive thing he did, at least in my opinion, was off of it because he acknowledged his place in Memphis. And it's different in Memphis if you've stayed there, lived there an extended period of time, like I was fortunate enough to do a decade ago, over a decade ago now. 10 years ago, I was there in Memphis, Tennessee, watching the core four, watching that run to the Western Conference Finals. I didn't think I would feel that again. 
in terms of genuine emotion, covering a team, following a team, being motivated to write and give so much of my time, like I did during my time at Grizzly Bear Blues, about a professional basketball team. I didn't think that would be a thing. They helped me find something within myself that I didn't know I had. And it was because not the dominant basketball performances. It was because I could tell that they genuinely loved the people that were supporting them and wanted to see them happy and and wanted to make the city better. And John Morant's doing the same thing. And that is just so wonderful to see. So kudos to John Morant. Again, the, the rest of this show, I'm going to talk about how impressive he was offensively, how Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr., all, all the X and O stuff, the stats, we can cover that. But for me, being here on Locked On Grizzlies, having a chance to, to do the first show here of 2023 and just really reiterate who I am in terms of consuming sport. I love when athletes understand that there is something more to this than money or winning. Life is larger than just those things. And John Morant, again, at the age of 23, gets that. And it's a wonderful thing to see. So shout out to John Morant. Really impressive stuff on the floor this past weekend for Memphis as they won some games. But again, to take his time to make that young man's year to help establish a connection to that team that will stand the test of time. That is what matters most in the grand scheme of things. And again, kudos to Morant for having the ability and the wherewithal to wear what he has taken on as a franchise leader so well. This episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by Prize Picks. Hopefully, you took John Morant's uh, having more than you know seven point five assists throughout the the weekend. Or over at Prize Picks, you took Stephen Adams to have more than twenty rebounds. I'm sure you would have made some uh, some cash making that kind of selection. It's a lot of fun working with Prize Picks. You get to pick two to six players, and if they score more or less, rebound more or less, assist more or less. And their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You don't compete against other people with prize picks. It's you against the projections that are available. From college basketball to the WNBA, when it gets started back up, obviously the NBA, NFL, just about any sport there is, you can find on prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that simple. And they have fast and safe withdrawals and are currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We'll be back, getting back to the on court process for the Memphis Grizzlies and how they righted the ship. Spoiler alert, it's the way that they usually write the ship, but you know, we'll 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 get into it here next on Locked On Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host Joe Mullinex flying solo 
on this episode. The Michael Cole will hopefully be rejoining me uh, in the days ahead uh, as uh, another road trip uh, out to Charlotte, I believe, on Wednesday comes from Memphis. Hopefully we'll have a chance to preview that together and talk through uh, ways to continue the good vibes that happened in FedEx Forum over this past weekend. Because again, major victory over the Pelicans, major win over the Kings, both of which by double digits. Very impressive stuff uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies in both of those games. And I'm not going to go super in-depth with both games, right? Because there was a, there were common themes in both games that led to the Grizzlies being successful. And I am, you know, the lead into this part of the show. It's not surprising if you have followed this Memphis Grizzlies team, especially during the Taylor Jenkins, John Moran era, when they are playing well defensively, that is when they are at their best. And that was true against the Pelicans, who shot a miserable 35% from the floor against the Memphis Grizzlies. And it was a close game. It was a close game. Memphis was up by three, I believe, at the half. Uh, they were up by four entering the final frame, and then they spaced it out, won the fourth quarter by double digits, 11 points over the Pelicans, just kind of ended it for New Orleans in that way. And take a look at these numbers. Zion Williamson, six for 16. Herb Jones, for two for 12. CJ McCollum, four of 16. Zion Williamson, in particular, had been dominating at an extremely efficient rate on the floor offensively for the Pelicans. And he was not able to do that in this game. In fact, eight of his 20 points came at the free throw line. Zion took 10 free throws in this game. The next closest was John Morant at seven, I believe. So you have Zion leading the way in terms of free throw opportunities. And he scored a large chunk of his points in that manner. Didn't make a single three. Herb Jones, again, was 0 for 4. Uh, CJ McCollum being 1 for 7 the night after making 11 threes. There, there's some irony there. I do think that context matters, and the Pelicans probably had some tired legs going into that game. But everybody in the NBA plays the schedule that they play. Maybe New Orleans is talking about this game and saying it was a schedule loss. That might be true. But the way the Grizzlies have been playing, especially on the road, except for that Toronto game, um, we didn't really know what to expect from Memphis going into that New Year's Eve game. So the defensive side of the ball is really where things shine through for Memphis, holding the main offensive weapons of the Pelicans to such poor shooting nights. Uh, that's really massive. And it starts with Jaron Jackson Jr., who had, shockingly, a really strong defensive game, six blocks, three steals, nine stocks. He's the best defensive big in the NBA right now. And he did a great job only having four fouls. So the foul issues that have reared their ugly heads at times, not as prevalent in this game or this weekend in general. You look at the Kings game and Jaron only had three fouls and he played around 30 minutes, just like he did against the Pelicans. Uh, they really monitored his minutes and he did a strong job uh, making sure that he was able to be on the floor for his team. Because obviously as good as he is defensively, if he's not playing basketball, he can't have that level of impact. It starts with Jaron Jackson Jr., but you got to give Dylan Brooks his flowers too. He was the guy tasked with uh, defending Zion Williamson, defended C.J. McCollum at times, also had opportunities against the Kings to go against De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter. Uh, again, looking at the Kings game, 7 of 18 for De'Aaron Fox, 4 of 12 
for Keegan Murray. Uh, Barnes was four for 12. DeMontis Sabonis had another efficient offensive game, 18 points. He also had 14 rebounds. We'll talk more about the glass here in a moment. But, you know, Sabonis didn't have the impact that he has had in other contests throughout this season offensively. So you look at what the Grizzlies did defensively to slow down the opposing offenses. The Kings and the Pelicans both have two of the best offenses in the NBA, uh, the Kings especially. You know, that's the thing that has them in the playoff mix in the Western Conference. Their defense is below average at best. It's their offense that is really impressive. And for Memphis to hold the Pelicans to 101 points, to hold the Kings to 108, that's just really special. And I think that Memphis deserves credit for the way that they played both of those games. The defensive side of the ball is what travels, right? You hear people say that all the time. Defense travels. You're going to miss shots, right? You're not going to make every shot. You're not going to be able be on every night. You're not going to be C.J. McCollum. That's a great example. He makes 11 threes one game, and then the next night he shoots one of seven. Your shot will fail you at times. What can always travel, what can always move along with you, is the capacity to defend. And when the Memphis Grizzlies get that, it can, it speaks volumes to the way that they play. And it's not just Ja, or excuse me, it's not just Jaron and Dylan. It's Ja Morant too. Ja Morant did some good things defensively in both of those games. He had two steals against the Pelicans, against the Kings. Ja Morant had one steal and one block. So the fact that Morant is putting forth that effort. The fact that you have Steven Adams, who we're going to talk a lot about in uh, the last part of the show today. The fact that you've got him as a seven-footer that can be there as a weak side help defender. You have Jaron Jackson Jr., athletic enough to be able to cover a ton of ground, retreating back to the rim. Between Jaron and Steven, there's not a ton of room to operate in the paint. So forcing teams to make that choice. Are you going to attack the rim? You're going to try to kick out to open shooters, being able to scramble the way that the Memphis Grizzlies did at home, taking that same energy and applying it to these road games coming up. That matters extremely, extremely, extremely for what Memphis is trying to do in terms of being one of the best teams in the NBA. If John Morant wants to say he's not worried about the Western Conference, I don't mind him saying that. Confidence is important. And these Grizzlies play with a chip on their shoulder. You have to remember how this roster was formed. All of these dudes, in one way or another, have been shortchanged, looked over. Even John Morant, the superstar that has the capacity to make kids cry by giving them a pair of shoes. He was playing inside AAU gyms six years ago. Think about that. He was not a highlight. He went to a mid-major college. He was not somebody that anybody expected would be this kind of guy. And the stories like that up and down the Grizzlies roster exist. So they don't play with that chip on their shoulder consistently enough, at least not this season, and especially on the road. We talked about that a little bit uh, to Michael and I last week. So finding that energy on a nightly basis, on the defensive end in particular, it feeds into the offensive end. It builds and builds and builds, and I think that that's something that we'll continue to see the Grizzlies have success with if they make it a focal point. If they decide to slack off on that end, it's a downward spiral snowball effect in the opposite direction, and I know that the Memphis Grizzlies don't necessarily want that to happen. So it starts with defense. 
And they did a remarkable job against both the Pelicans and the Kings, taking away what those opponents wanted to do and forcing them into less advantageous situations. There was something else that the Grizzlies did extremely well in both of those home wins that we'll talk about in our final segment of Locked On Grizzlies today. But first, a word about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. This episode, of course, is brought to you by BetOnline.net. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, pro football, college bowl season, basketball. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. We will finish out this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies talking about the big Kiwi and the impact he has, Stephen Adams, on the Memphis Grizzlies. Stay locked in with Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. We finish out this episode. We talked about Jaws off the court impact, uh, understanding what it means to be a superstar. We talked about the defensive energy that Memphis played with in both Pelican and Kings games. Let's talk about rebounding and let's talk about Steven Adams. This dude had two 20 plus rebound outings. Steven Adams grabbed 24, or excuse me, 44 rebounds across two games. He averaged 22 rebounds across two games. It's remarkable. Against the Kings, he had 13 offensive rebounds. 13 offensive rebounds. Against the Pelicans, he had 16 defensive rebounds. 16 rebounds by themselves is a phenomenal night. But he continues to show. Not necessarily, and again, the Pelicans were one of the opponents this past weekend, and the Jonas Valanciunas trade was relitigated, and it's exhausting, to be honest with you, because both teams won. Both teams won that deal. The Pelicans need Jonas Valanciunas to help them offensively while they find themselves, just like the Grizzlies needed a couple of years ago. So the fact that Jonas is there and having success, that's wonderful. Jonas Valanciunas is a reason why the Pelicans are 23 and 13, or were 23 and 13, excuse me, after the Grizzlies game. Major reason why. The Grizzlies are in the spot they're in, in large part, because Steven Adams can do a lot of the things that Jonas Valanciunas does well without the need to score the basketball. And that is vital. Jonas Valanciunas needs to shoot and be a focal point usage-wise of the offense in order to maximize his worth. You don't need that with Steven Adams. He can dominate a basketball game without ever taking a shot. And of course you want him to shoot more because he's not a focal point of opposing teams' game plans, right? He's a guy that you could probably get to the basket. Quick rolls to the rim. And he had 11 points against the Kings, and he had 10 points against the Pelicans. That's two back-to-back double-doubles. His strength of his game is his rebounding. He understands how to use his body in a very similar way to Zach Randolph. For those of you that uh, followed the Grizzlies back during that grit and grind era that I alluded to earlier in the show, Zippo did not have the size that Steven Adams does. Steven Adams is elite at being a large human. Zippo had a low center of gravity. He was strong. And he had an innate ability to time the basketball off of the rim. Steven Adams shares that comprehension. He has that a similar level of skill. 
I don't know that it's as good as Zach. Because again, Steven has the physical attributes to back it up. So the fact that Zebo rebounded as well as he did at six foot eight, not really able to jump, pretty impressive in and of itself. They're two different players in that way. But for Steven Adams, again, against the Kings, 13 offensive rebounds, 10 defensive rebounds. He had a double double within the different types of rebounds. An extremely valuable tool for a Grizzlies roster that doesn't have another dominant rebounder beyond Steven Adams. The second leading rebounder in the Kings game is John Morant at seven. Then you go to the Pelicans game the night before again, Steve-O had 21 boards. The next leading rebounder was Desmond Bain at seven. Neither of those guys are Jaron Jackson Jr. Hopefully you're seeing the point that I'm trying to make. There is no other dominant big that can hit the glass the way that Steven Adams can and that holds so much value, especially on the offensive end where you get extra possessions. Because the Grizzlies offense continues to find themselves in the half court. That remains a point of emphasis for them. How do they continue to explore that space of half court offense and grow and develop it? As that process happens, to have someone like Adams that can get you those additional possessions, those extra looks at the rim, it's invaluable. Extremely helpful. And as I mentioned a moment ago, Jonas Valanciunas can do similar things, but oftentimes he has to be the focal point. He has to get his looks. He has to get his shots. Otherwise, he's not as impactful as he can be. So Adams is a similar player without that offensive emphasis. And the Grizzlies don't need their center to be that offensive focal point because they have John Morant and Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks. Those are the guys that should be taking the shots. Steven Adams just needs to set screens, which he's very good at, rebound, which he's a lead at, and be a solid help side defender, which we talked about in the previous part of the show, he's also very good at. So shout out to Steven Adams in terms of his rebounding. Uh, really impressive work there. And another thing that Memphis did well in both games was find ways to create for one another. 25 assists against the Kings. So not as impressive, 26 uh, against the Pelicans. So you've probably heard the stat that when Memphis has over 30 assists, they're nearly impossible to beat. There's something like, you know, 30-some and two in their last 40 games, right? Obviously, that's not an exact stat, but uh, I'm, I'm elaborating a little bit. But they're really strong when it comes to the assist mark, right? That doesn't necessarily have to be completed passes. It can be the way that you move the ball. And something that the next time we watch the Grizzlies play, I want you to check out. They are getting better, especially John Morant. And it showed in Morant's assist numbers. He had eight against the Pelicans and then against the Kings. He had five. We talked about Jaws' assist numbers in Toronto as well. When you become the focal point of a defense and you're able to find open players, getting that defense to elongate itself to the point where it's not able to cover the space that you created with ball movement. That is the goal of almost every team in the NBA. And there's lots of different ways to get to that, right? You can run the pick and roll, which the Grizzlies do, but they don't do it as much with Jaron Jackson Jr. as they do with Steven Adams and John Morant uh, coming off of screens, all sorts of different ball movement kind of plays, skip passes. We could go on and on. I think that the most impressive thing coming out of the weekend beyond all that we've already talked about is how they're better understanding what opposing defensive coverages are trying to do to them. 
They seem to be finding their flow within these rotations. We've talked about that before. The team's getting healthy. That's wonderful. But you have a lot of guys playing in spots they haven't been accustomed to playing in this season. And with that, there comes some growing pains. There comes some time to adjust. I think that we're seeing the fruits of that labor now, where they are better identifying what opponents are trying to do to them. They're better understanding where Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to be among the starters, where John Conchar, Santi Aldama obviously out due to injury. But the guys that were playing more minutes with those ones, now that they're playing more minutes with the twos, you know, Conchar looked better. Even though he didn't necessarily, uh, he was 0 for 3 from 3 against the Pelicans. And then Conchar started against the Kings, 1 for 6. So his shooting percentages are not great, but at least he's shooting the basketball. And if you've been listening to Lockdown Grizzlies this season, you know that I just want John Conchar to shoot the basketball. Please, John, shoot the ball. I'm asking you, please shoot it. He was willing to shoot it. He's getting more comfortable. So I think that comfort, you know, whether it's the home cooking, being home for that part of the holidays with New Year's, whatever the case might be, the Grizzlies were clearly more comfortable. How they connect Steven Adams' elite rebounding, the defensive presence of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks. Again, we barely talked about John Morant's offensive brilliance. Uh, he had 32 points and eight assists against the Pelicans. And then the very next night, he had 35 points, eight rebounds, five assists. So just a really strong performance from John Morant, both on and off the floor. Combining all those things at home is great. They are nearly unbeatable in FedEx Forum. After defeating the Kings, the Grizzlies improved to 15 and three at home, but they are 23 and 13 at this moment. So that tells you that they continue to have issues on the road. How do they fix that going into a game against Charlotte coming up? That'll be one of the many topics we cover on our next episode of Locked on Grizzlies. Thanks for making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked on NBA. Available at the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. The next time we are together, I will be talking about the Charlotte Hornets. Hopefully, DeMichael Cole will be joining me for that episode, and we will continue to run down all the great things. You know, all-star voting is happening. Maybe we can talk about John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., their place in the all-star vote. All sorts of different topics as the calendar turns to 2023 that we can cover here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing, however you get your podcasts, liking and commenting over on the YouTube page. It is much appreciated. Thank you for making Lockdown Grizzlies 2022 a massively successful year. Thank you to Michael and, of course, Sean Coleman, the former host of this podcast, for all the work they did. I was happy to join the second half of the year. We continued to have growth and success. I imagine the 2023 will see that continue and hopefully continue to amplify. So thank you guys so much for that. I look forward to rocking and rolling with you, talking Memphis Grizzlies basketball through 2023. Until next time, stay locked in, Grizzlies fans. This is Locked on 